0: for what Carrie's going to bring us the next morning? How come we don't wait expectantly for this service and what God wants to do? This Carrie's talking about this week, and there's big decisions, and there's like all this going on. I mean, let's wait expectantly. Let's wait for God to do something crazy. Let's wait so Debbie Parnakian isn't nervous when she's doing the bookkeeping. Let's wait. Let's just like, let's know that God is in it already. God wrote the story. Joshua said it with confidence, knowing that God can and will do something amazing. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge the edge of the Jordan, awesome." Jordan Waters, go and stand in the river. So now this is like the third time we keep on talking about crossing the river. It's like, okay, we got the picture, we got the picture. You starting to wonder that maybe this is a big deal, this river, everything that's going to go on. So God talks about he's going to exalt him. I uh, work for my father. We just got back from a nerd fest, an actuarial convention. There's another actuary in the room tonight too, this morning. But uh, when we go to these places, like I am forever Dave Accene's son. Like, everybody I know there is, like, 60, and, like, all the young people my age have no clue who I am. But they all, like, and someday, like, I feel like I'm a little bit of Joshua following Moses. And it's, like, this, it's, you got big shoes to fill. He was the assistant. He was, like, when we talk about David in the Bible, what was David right before he became king? David was, like, the tallest guy. He was the buffest guy. He was the Brad Graves in the room. Like, he was just that cool. Like, he was uh, like the obvious person. But when we look at Joshua, who was he? He was essentially Moses' secretary. He was the assistant. He was probably the guy that pulls Dave vaccine's wheelie bag at the airport. Like, I mean, he, like, carried the staff for Moses. He was, he, he was the assistant. I mean, we get back to overwhelmed. Pretty sure he was a little bit overwhelmed. Remember, he's taken over from Moses, and he was the guy taking notes. He was the guy scheduling appointments, doing conference calls. Only three chapters ago. He became the new leader for all these people. Ever feel that you're only assistant and God could never use you? Ever compare yourself to other people and wonder, like, just want it? Almost be jealous of it? God sees our insecurities and fills those holes. I think that's why God says this to, to Joshua. He knew Joshua. Like, I'm trying to get inside Joshua's head, like, He knew Joshua's insecurities, and he was like, Today, I'm going to make these people like you. Not only that, I'm going to do some amazing things inside you that they're going to forget about Moses and only know that God is in you. How many of us always are looking in the rearview mirror, remembering all the past things we've done, all the past things God hasn't done, or different things, or these paths we've taken, and not really remembering that God only cares about right now? I need to slow down, or I might get done too fast. Um... (laughs) Verse 9, Joshua said to the Ezraites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. I almost deleted that whole verse so I would have to read it, but I didn't. <laughs> See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel one from each tribe. As soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And this is this is going I feel like maybe it's going back to Joshua's insecurity a little bit again, but like it's like, okay, told you in chapter one, told you twice in chapter two, I'm gonna part these waters, and now he's here again just reminding Joshua that he's with him. Have you ever been a leader of some people? And sometimes just had to verbalize something just so you could believe it. Everything's going to be okay. How many times have I said that to my family when I'm inside crying in the fetal position, wondering what's coming up next? Sometimes you just have to say something so you can fully believe it. Joshua knew what was supposed to happen soon. Joshua had 100% confidence it was going to happen. But when the crowds are behind him and the water's raging, I think that everybody gets a little bit scared. Next verse. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, first of all, they're at the, the bank of the river. This river, have any, has anybody here been to the Jordan River? I know we have one. Anybody else? This is, it talks about um, that it's at, now, now Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, the harvest, that means it's at high tide. For all ocean people, it's at high tide. This is, it, it, during high tide or during when the river's really raging, when it's in the harvest and melt, I don't know if there's snow over there or how it gets higher and lower. But like at this point, the river is probably a mile wide, probably 150 feet deep. But if, if we were to say, let's rewind six months, and we went to the river, and it was non-harvest time, it was non-flood stage, it might have been 40 feet wide. It might have been three feet deep. You ever think about that? Like God could have chose any time. These guys were wandering for 40 years. I mean, God could have changed that 40 to 41 and been perfectly fine, or 40 and a half. But God chose when the water was the roughest, when the, wa- when the wa- waves are the biggest, when the water's rushing the most, he chose that time to show his power. Now, in verse 16, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam, in the vicinity, vicinity of another word I don't want to say. Zarathon. Well, the waters flowing down the sea of the, yeah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. So the water stopped at Adam. This is, this, this is the part of the story that gets me excited, not just because it has math in it, but Adam is 20 miles away. So these guys are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as their feet touch that water, like, I remember as a child and watching the flannel graphs, like, yeah, always we show it as, like, the foot goes in, and there's, like, walls of water, right? Like, as far, and I remember, it would be so cool if you could, like, see fish swimming around in the water. But, no, the water stopped 20 miles away in Adam. So let's get some math in here. Let's pretend the river's going 10 miles an hour. Probably about right. 10 miles an hour, 20 miles away. How long are they waiting till the water stops? Two hours. Somebody passed Common Core. That's awesome. So uh, <laughs> the river's going 10 miles an hour, 20 miles away. So, we have these guys. Remember, we have two million people waiting. We have these Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They put their foot in the water. Everybody, remember, six miles away, they're looking, they're waiting expectantly. God's going to do something amazing. Foot goes in the water. What happens? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Two million people. If, if you're Joshua, what are you thinking? Oh, man. No. Come on. You said you're going to make me. Like, these people like me. If you're these two million people, what are, you, what are, you, what are they saying? This Joshua guy's full of, whoa. Like, I mean, man, we're, we're supposed to get there milk and honey. We're supposed to cross this river. And foot's in the water? Nothing's happening. You ever got put in a holding pattern by God and you didn't understand why? God, you called me here. My feet are in the water. You said put my feet in the water and you'll stop this thing. And I just imagine, I mean, they didn't have Sudoku puzzles back then, but, like, man, put the foot in the water, and, like, everybody's probably like, oh, man, we got a little time to kill. Two hours. Was God still faithful? Was God still fulfilling promises? Heck, yeah. The water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap, a great distance away at a city called Adam. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. Um Actually, here's one. I skipped a point here. Some people are skeptical of miracles, right? We've heard of a guy that, like, hung out in a fish. We've heard of people getting healed. We've heard all these amazing things. And I I was reading this uh, commentary about the the Jordan River, and, like, this is a big miracle. I mean, how many of you guys went to a river and and seen it stop? I haven't. I, I tried that whole walking on water thing on the pool yesterday. It didn't work. But, like, in the Jordan River, that's an amazing thing about it. In the area of Adam, you know what it is? The Jordan River goes through the middle of these two huge cliffs. And there's time to time, it's, it's documented back then, that every once in a while, what water runs down by things, what happens? Erosion. Every once in a while, the cliffs have fallen in. Every once in a while, the cliffs have fallen in and stopped the water. If these cliffs fell in and there was a tall enough dam, it could might take two hours. It could take a long time until we see water flowing again. So if you're a skeptic in the room and you might not 100% believe that God would do something crazy like a miracle, like stop water, make it stand up, hey, it's happened. God's miracle might have just been the perfect timing of, hey, these guys put their foot in the water, boom, miracle happened. It might have been God just going, doing his thing. I prefer to believe that one. But miracles happen every day. Sometimes it's rocks falling. Sometimes it's cliffs falling. Sometimes it's just out of God's sheer grace. Verse 17, the priests who carried, oh, go back one. The priests who carried the Ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Now, how many of you guys have overwatered your lawn? All of us have. Maybe not in this drought, because we all are very water conscious. But dry ground. A river's been flowing here for how long? Forever. The water stops, and they walk through on dry ground. Remember, they had to wait two hours for the water to stop flowing. But as soon as that water went by, dry ground. I kind of—I know God's not an arrogant guy. God can't sin, God can't do that. But that's a little bit of God flexing his muscles. I think. How cool is that? like, okay, water stopped, I did that, but just to make it one step cooler, and when you tell your kids about it, it was dry. That's awesome. That's God. Has God ever done something like that in your life? Has God ever went to that next step? Just because, hey, it wasn't cool enough. I, I, how many times, like, Moses might or Joshua might have been praying for a bridge. And God's like, eh, I think I'm going to go ahead and stop the water. Could a bridge have been a miracle? Yeah, a bridge back then, building with sticks. I mean, if they could actually cross it with two million people, that's a miracle. But God chose to stop the water. That is just awesome. Where was the ark when these people are crossing? The ark was in the middle of the river. The ark was at the scariest point, the most dangerous point. The ark was sitting in the middle, while all the people went by. I don't understand the math of how you can be 0.56 miles from the ark and you cross by it, but maybe it was a really. I mean, obviously they crossed really wide. But like, when you're going through problems, when you're going through your big rivers. Who was the first person in? The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Who was the person at the scariest point in the middle of the river? God was the presence of God. Chapter four. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, woo! The Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones. And I'm struggling. From the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you're going to stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men who had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So... God calls us to remember things, right? God calls us to remember the amazing things he's done. God wants us to share with our friends. God wants us to, like, have faith and trust in him. Notice he didn't say, go pick up some sticks. No. don't Go pick up a little sand. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your tunic or whatever you wear. Like, no. God says, go over. Let's pretend this is really big. Put a rock on your shoulder, 12 of you, and go make a monument. Like, do something that's, like... Set, and set this whole miracle in stone. Like, do something to remember it. Don't just let it fly by. You need to think about it constantly. Of my grace, my power. The New King James. No, it was not. Blah, 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 blah. Over and over again in the Bible, people were called to remember, and over and over in the Bible we forgot. I mean, do you remember a story of a golden calf? How fast did that happen? When Jesus went to pray, how fast did the people fall asleep? Like, I mean, we, we're forgetful people. We need to make it a priority to remember the things that God has done. Last couple of verses. Verse 6. Talk about the stones. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, I shouldn't try to transition mid-verse. Okay. um, When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. And the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them. Their camp where they put them down. So these twelve stones up on the shoulders became a sign to all the people. Are you guys laying out stones for your family? For your friends, remembering the amazing times that God has done things for you? We've all been overwhelmed. The list goes on and on, next slide, Joe, of things that overwhelm us. Might be health, it might be addiction, could be cancer could be money could be your house could be your marriage it could be retirement could be your friends just might even be your church your job relationships you might be overwhelmed and you might be put into a point of anxiety that you can't even go anymore but look at this consecrate yourself for tomorrow the lord will do wonders among you does that give us a reason to be overwhelmed by anything I mean, are we going to get overwhelmed? Are we going to get scared? Are we going to have sleepless nights? We might. But God is standing there ready to do something more amazing than we can even understand. So, when you're overwhelmed, I want to give you a couple things to think about. And the first one is when you're overwhelmed, know that God knows your situation. Is God bigger than anything? Is God bigger than the river? I mean the river's going to go up and down. It's going to go narrow and wider. It's going to get deeper. It's going to go everywhere. But God never changes. Not only that, God knows it, but secondly, God goes before you. The ark of the covenant, who was who was the first one in the water? The ark of the covenant, God's presence. Who was the one sitting in the middle of the river? God, the ark of the covenant. God is with you in the middle of everything you're going through. Who's there after? All the two million people passed. I don't know where I didn't do the math on how fast people walk and how long it would take two million people to pass a river, but I'm sure it was going to be a long time. But the Ark of the Covenant stayed there until everybody passed. It didn't just stay there. It stood there at probably the most grim spot, the very middle. But the last piece, this is what we often forget. Yeah, God God knows everything. God's with you. It feels good, but God calls us to remember and to share. We look back and we talk about all these people that had been promised the the promised land, right? It's amazing. Crossing the Jordan was less about getting to the promised land, and it was more about God's promises to his people. It's more about not where we're going to get to, not the amazing things we're going to have in the future. It's about God, and he's promised you. I Remember on our honeymoon, talk about overwhelmed. Coming home from our honeymoon, it was probably the roughest flight of my life. But the best part is I sleep on airplanes like a baby. We're sitting there. I'm barely married. like I guess not barely married. Like she's she's 13 years later. She's still with me somehow. But uh, I, I fall asleep. Five-and-a-half-hour red-eye flight home from Hawaii. And every time I kept on waking up, and I'd look over at Tiffany, and she knows in the Bible. She was, like, in it. I'm like, man, I've really married a woman. God. No. You know what she was doing? She was reading the promises over and over and over again. I quickly learned that as much as we love to travel, she hates to fly. What gets her places? Yeah, we flew with all the kids to, Pitt, to Pittsburgh, Philadelphia this week. And, uh, yeah, what gets her on the plane? It's God's promises. She listens to normal. I mean, it's making her, making her sound maybe worse than she is. But, like, she, she normally has worship music on and her Bible out. And then by about halfway through the flight, she can switch to one of her girly novels, and then I lose her for the rest of the flight. But, like, God, I quickly learned, and that's one thing Tiffany's taught me more than anything, is that the promises of God are real. And the promises of God are there for us. The Old Testament, I was talking to Mike before service, he was just like, the Old Testament is full of promises that we can live in. Yeah, God promised you the promised land, he promised all these things, but God promises to protect us. God promises not to leave us, not to forsake us. He promises to prosper us. He all these things. And we need to live in those promises. We can be overwhelmed by how much God loves us, and how much God has for us, and how much God believes in us, more than we should be overwhelmed by our circumstances. Rivers do go up and down, high and low. But in the end, God never changes. Are you guys stacking stones somewhere for your kids? DJ should have never talked. Now I'm getting emotional. For your kids to ask you about? Cadence, come up here. I promise I wouldn't cry, but I... Nine years ago, right after I almost killed her with the bottle, when Cadence was born, she was born with a disease that we were told would mean there's no way she'd live to 10 years old. For eight months, we did doctor appointment after doctor appointment. And sent skin samples and cells and blah blah blah, trying to figure out how we can get this girl healthy. And in the midst of it all, we prayed and prayed and prayed. Every test came out positive. She's got it. She's got it. She's got, got glutaric acidemia. She won't be able to eat beef. And it's like if you're an axine, you like eating beef. I mean, you're not going to be able to eat cheese. She still doesn't eat cheese. I don't get it. But uh, you're not going to be able to do any of these things. And you're probably going to be lucky if you have 10 years of there. Brielle. She has a twin sister. These two are one. I couldn't imagine one without the other. We were going to get a Christmas tree in early December, eight months after the kids were born. I love Christmas. I get it from my mom. And Christmas is what it's all about. And I remember we're pulling into the Christmas tree stand, and we get a call, and it came from San Diego. They had sent all these cells and all these things, blood tests and all this stuff to Colorado. And... They call us to tell us from Radios in San Diego that she doesn't have the disease. How can you go for eight months having a disease that's going to kill you and then it go away? Even the doctors tell us, uh, we don't get it. I mean, sometimes there's false positives. There's not false positives. I'm a math major. There's, there is false positives, but not for eight months. I mean, when you test and test and test, those things are real. But today she stands here perfectly healthy. That disease isn't even there. You couldn't even find it if you tried. But it wasn't until this week, you guys go sit down. Daddy wants to stop crying. Uh, It wasn't until this week when I was reading this story that I figured out that I hadn't put the stone in a place for my kids to know it. Katie didn't even know that she was saved by a miracle. She knew that oh yeah, it's a baby. I was sick. I was little, and I was this. But she did not know that she was saved by a miracle. That's a lousy job as a father. But now she knows, and it's amazing. About two months ago, I was sitting in a hotel in Pittsburgh. It was a month ago, and I felt like my life was falling apart. Not my life, but the people around me. Everything was crumbling. I got a call from a coach, a seven-year-old basketball team. I got a call that one of the little girls on my team died. She went to the hospital with the flu, and a few minutes later, she had a massive heart attack and died. It rocked my world. I'm like, man, it could have just been Peyton. It could have been another one of my daughters. Just that easily. She died. Then a few minutes later, Tiffany calls me. She's in tears. I'm like, oh man, what did I do now? Did I forget to pay the electric bill? I mean, like, what's going on? She's in tears, she's telling me that one of our closest friends on this whole entire planet has cancer. I hear the C word cancer. I was like, no, God, that family has already had enough. And I'm standing at the side of this river, and I'm like, man, I I mean, it's not happening to me. Why isn't it happening to me? But it's happening to everybody around me, and I don't understand it. The amazing thing is, this week, I'm back in Pennsylvania again, and uh, I think I'm going to start spending all my time in Pennsylvania, (laughs) because we get a call in the airport of Pennsylvania right after landing that that God's given us another stone
1: I would have to agree the music doesn't help <laughs> um, I don't want to rush this because I promised God that he would receive all the glory and praise because Josh is right so about a month and a half ago to help you understand I won't give you too many details um understand the miracle that God has performed in our in my life and my family's life um I uh, had an abnormal pap smear, and then the results came back with severely advanced um, pre-cervical cancer cells. And I've been assured that that can be um, dealt with pretty easily. Um, So I didn't think actually too much of it um, until I went to my um, procedure where they were going to remove my cervix. And I was awake during it during a local procedure, and the doctor, um, within two minutes of the procedure, had said, "I am so sorry this looks really bad." Um, it had spread everywhere, and she said, uh, she got very frantic and had said, "I'm going to stop the procedure. We're going to take you to the hospital, and I'm going to have to put you under to um, do more, do more than she could have done in that setting." And I had just started to cry, and I said, if you're going to do it, just take it all. Just take it all. I don't need it. And um, she said, um, actually, she sat for a second calmly, and um, I said, no, I'm going to actually proceed with the procedure, and we're going to find out what cells these are. Um, During the procedure, it did not go well. Um, A procedure that should take 10, 15 minutes took 40 minutes, and she had said I didn't get it all. Um, And I... uh, and that I should be prepared, and that with her, me, and Jesus, we would get through this. And she prayed, and she said, I'm going to pray really hard that um, we get these results and that it could be the best outcome. But I left not feeling like that was going to be the best outcome because of everything this doctor had said. If you've ever been to a doctor who has that kind of response, you get worried. So I left, and um, during that time, we immediately left, and I shared with my best friend, Tiffany, on the news and I had asked for prayer and then I said can you please let the elders of our church know and then our friends in the church know to pray because we know expectantly God can do miracles but I didn't know how he would perform this miracle after based on what the doctor had said. So Tiffany um, alerts our elders, I get a message from Carrie that they're praying, my family's praying, we're praying, and for five days we wait, and I get the call on Tuesday, and it's a nurse, so I thought that's a good sign, and the nurse said we have good news, the doctor was able to get clear margins on all of it, and the most concerning um, cells that they found are completely out of your cervix. That was wonderful news. I was, of course, stunned, absolutely stunned, because here I was um, facing a long journey ahead of me um, with cervical cancer. I still have considered cervical cancer, so I still have a journey. But God performed a miracle because the doctor who sat and looked at my cervix and said, there's no, this is very bad, God was able to turn it around and say, this is good. I can do this. Amen. What? Not done. Okay, then. <laughs> at the Josh down. <laughs> I'm not done. God's so no good. <laughs> um, at the pre-op uh, appointment, um, I've been having, as you know, I've been battling my health for a few years, and we've been praying for miracles in my health for a few years now, and it's been an ongoing thing. But to see this, it's ex- it's exciting. Um, at first, it was shocking. <laughs> And then it was exciting of how um, God has worked in my life. But at the pre-op appointment, the doctor had said, Did you know you have a murmur? And I said, No, I've never had a murmur. So I have in the midst of this I've been working with a cardiologist and doing some tests for my heart and tomorrow I go find out what they're going to do for my leaky valve and my arrhythmias. and I'm expectant that God is going to be doing the same miracle that he performed with my cervix that he's going to also do for my heart so um, continued prayers for me and my family during this um, journey and if you want to talk about overwhelmed (laughs) it's been a little overwhelming but you know what the prayers from our church family so if you ever consider why do I need to be a part of a church family that these church families people can pray with you and for you for these uh, miracles to perform not only I mean you, you can yourself but having the support system um, of the church is one of the biggest blessings on earth that we can obtain from God and um, so thank you Josh for allowing me to share that praise with you all awesome.
0: I've talked way too long and I'm never going to give Carrie a hard time about that because I thought I'd be short but Katie's gonna, Katie and Audrey are going to sing this next song for you. But I want us to do something as a symbol of how God has done things in so many of our lives. As you guys all walked in, you were given a rock. Yeah, I went to Lowe's yesterday. I bought your rocks. Like, much cheaper than Michael's. But uh, so I, I bought these rocks. And during this song, as they're singing this, I want to build a bit of a monument that's going to show all the amazing things God has done in this room. It might not be healing cancer. It might not be some crazy big thing but God has done things in all of our lives, and we need to remember them. And we need to know that God's doing stuff in our midst. So as she's singing the song, uh, I just ask you to come bring up your rock and put it there. Just know that, man, you might not see God working in the current miracle you're asking for, or the current thing you're asking for, but he's building a pile of rocks. So Katie, lead us in.